0: Steve Maranucci with another edition of Things We Said Today, our weekly show in which we talk about the Beatles every which way but loose. Let me first introduce uh, who's with us tonight from the host of Every Little Thing, Ken Michaels. Good evening, Ken.
1: Hi, Steve. Hi, everybody.
0: And from Beetle Fan, and just returning from the Fest for Beetle fans actually, you both did, Al
2: Sussman. Hey, Al. Hi, Steve. Hi, Ken. Hello there, everybody.
0: And actually, that's what we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to talk about the fest for beetle fans. They went. I was not there, so I'm going to kind of grill the guys in, on on what it was like and who and what they enjoyed and who the the highlights were. And we're going to we're
2: going to talk about that. And well, um, before that, though, Steve, uh, there was a little bit of news that, in fact, you broke this afternoon.
0: But oh, thank you. Well actually uh it, it it we got the word yesterday that um things we said today will now be carried on Pure Pop Radio. Yay! Can we have can we, can yes. we pop? Yay! we have yes, yep. <laughs> it's going to be every Tuesday night at nine PM Eastern, which is nine PM Eastern uh every Tuesday night. And so in that's in addition to the the weekend airings on fab4radio.com, which will still be there. And actually the Fab4 radio, uh, airings are, will be the initial airings of the show. Mm-hmm. And it's also on Podbean and it's also on YouTube and it's also on iTunes. So we're, we're all over the place, but, uh, the addition of, of, uh, pure pop radio is a, is a big thing and we're all really happy and we want to thank Alan Haber for doing that uh, for allow it, mm-hmm. for adding us to his schedule and we're looking
2: forward to a long run so thank you and we hope you will all t- tune in i know i know so ken's anyway. Ken a uh, is a fan of fa- of uh, pure pop
1: radio mhm that's right and i think that anyone who's a beatle fan would love this channel because they program music 24 hours a day that reminds you of uh, all the great things that make up beatle music And that meaning great melodies, great hooks, great arrangements, harmonies, all the hallmarks of what made up what the Beatles gave us through the years. And uh, I guess to some people they might want to call it power pop. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's music through the years from the 60s on up that fit that style. And if you're one of those people who still wants to hear something that interests them, that they never heard before, as well as hear familiar songs, too, this is the perfect channel for you. There's so much music there that I've never heard in my life, and I'm discovering it now because the station is programmed so well. And it could be anything from the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, last decade, and even new music. Because Alan Haber, who programs it, really keeps up on this stuff, and there's also great interviews on the channel as well. Right. So, uh, I think that, uh, in fact, yes, <laughs> kind of, <laughs> this is a coincidence. Al Sussman, our own Al Sussman, did an incredible interview with Alan Haber, that uh, just recently aired, just talking about uh, the history of pop music leading up to the Beatles. Right. And it was just, uh, it was really incredible. Yeah. A lot and, of stuff I hadn't heard. Yeah.
0: And what's really, what's really cool about this is that it's not just a Beatles channel. You know, we we're on Fab Four Radio and that's a Beatles channel, but this is not a Beatles channel, not oh. exclusively mm-hmm. a Beatles channel, and that. Really is, is very cool that, that we're there. So exactly. thank you again, Alan Haper and, and keep uh, Tuesday nights at nine o'clock Eastern, uh, on your calendar, folks, uh, so you can hear us.
1: And then after that, listen to the channel with what it normally programs. Yes. Right. And there's, there's quite, there's quite a lot of Beatle music that you will hear mm-hmm. and solo music and a lot of Beatle covers too. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, I, I listen, I listen for that reason because I always look for that kind of material to add to my own show. For every little thing, so it's a great source for that, as well as all the other music that gets programmed.
0: All right, so now we're gonna let, let's let's get to the fest for Beatles fans, which was uh, just ended uh, Sunday night. Uh, it ran Friday through Sunday in uh, uh, Rye Brook, New York. Right. And um, let me let, let me start with um, Al because Al, you were uh, I think you you were there all three days. Ken, you weren't there all three days, right?
1: He, I was there Saturday, Saturday and Sunday.
0: Sunday. Al, you were there all three days. Right. First of all, how, how big was the crowd? Was it big crowds, uh, all three days?
2: Well, uh, Friday night was a disappointment because, um, we had a, uh, uh <laughs> yet another, uh, on the, f- well, uh, literally on the first night of spring, we had a snowstorm. Uh, oh not a big one but uh enough uh we i think uh, especially up uh in there in Westchester County they got about 7 inches of wet snow which really kind of screwed the roads up because uh a lot of it turned to ice and mm. uh there were you know there were a number of bad accidents on the on the roads in the uh in the area so a lot of people that might have come you know spur of the moment you know on friday didn't because of the weather so the 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 crowd was definitely down on friday night but saturday and and sunday as well uh the crowds uh saturday particularly there were a lot of people you know perhaps not as many as there were uh, as there was on saturday last last year uh for the big convention at the grand hyatt in new york but a good a very good crowd and and even sunday uh, which sometimes can be kind of down, attendance-wise. Uh, so we had a very healthy-sized crowd on Sunday as well.
0: Yeah, um darn that weather.
2: Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, well, I mean, that Ch- Chicago that- just got another bunch of snow within the last couple of days, so winter is, uh, it's, it's, uh, going down, uh, going down kicking, let's put it that way.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. It's, it's not over yet. Snow. It's not over yet. Really?
0: Or what what happened Friday night? What what kind of events did they have on Friday?
2: Now Friday is usually kind of like the meet everybody night. You know, there's the in the the main ballroom. There's a meet the guest authors panel, which uh, Susan Ryan uh, moderates, and then a uh, a panel of more authors and also photographers as well. And some of the other guests and also then the uh, another panel with the the actual main guest, uh the musical guests <clears throat> and then a dance party, uh, a, uh, you know, a cost in effect, a costume contest. And then Liverpool, the, the Fest house band does a, does a concert, you know, kind of a, a, a shorter concert than they do on Saturday, on Saturday night and Sunday, uh, okay. because afterward there was a, the premiere showing of a film on Liverpool, the, not the band, the city, uh, okay. called Get Back, the city that, that rocked Liverpool, the city that rocked the world that David Bedford, uh, the author of, uh, Liddy Pool and, uh, mm-hmm. the Fab 104, uh, introduced. So. Wow.
0: Did you get to see the film?
2: Nope. Uh, I, I saw about 30 seconds of it, uh, because I was kind of en route from, mm-hmm. uh, um, from the, the room where the panel discussions are. Uh, to somewhere else, I forget what I was on the way to, but um, yeah, you know, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to see uh, see the film, but uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully, I'll be able to. That's yeah, the, I'm sure that's that been I'm a sure. chronic sure. problem. Is that the uh, the at least for me is not a really a problem, but it's just that I'm busy with other things at right. the time when a lot of things go on in the ballroom.
0: Yeah, it's, I mean, it, it, there were so many things in L.A. that I wanted to do that I did Exa- not exactly. It, it, Get to do, because mm-hmm. I was so busy, you know, uh, walking around doing things. So, yeah, I I under, I, I know that feeling very well. Yeah. There's, just so, there's so many things, even for somebody, even for a fan, there are so many things at the, at the fest to do. There's no way you're going to get to all of them. There's, exactly. Just unla- unless you kind of split yourself in two, and even mm-hmm. then, it's, it's not easy.
2: You yeah, know? although we but, did have, between Bruce Beiser and Chuck Gunderson and myself, we had a uh, we had a nice little discussion late in the evening on uh, uh, in the discussion room on on Friday night about the Beatle year of
0: 1965.
2: Mm. And okay. yeah, and that was that was a lot of fun
0: who who showed up for the author? Who showed up for the? Uh,
2: we the, actually the author, had something something a like, we had a fairly good turnout because I think people have kind of gotten you because we've kind of gotten into a tradition of doing these late night uh, discussions on Friday night. So we did get uh, we we probably got a better turnout than perhaps some of the other people earlier in the evening, you know. And and plus I kind of know I was able to kind of quarterback. Cause I know exactly what to sort of feed Bruce, you know, about Capitol Records and about the music and all and what to feed Chuck about the preparations for the 65 tour and about Shea Stadium and the, and the tour as it progressed. So, uh, okay. so it was a lot of fun.
0: Oh, good. And did you also did the meet the uh, musicians?
2: Thing? Well, no, I wasn't, I wasn't involved with that because it was like there. right okay. after, right from the, Meet the guest authors, then okay. I had to, fortunately, the, uh, the two rooms are, were very close. And okay. so I had to like run around to the, <laughs> uh, the room where the, um, where, uh, Bob Abdow had just finished doing his puppet show and Tom Frangione, our colleague, our sometime colleague from here and, and I, uh, did the, uh, the first round of Name That Tune and, and Beatles Trivia.
0: Which other authors showed up on, uh, for the Media Authors Bethesda? Uh, let's
2: see. Unfortunately, Robert Rodriguez, another friend of ours from, yeah. from here, mm-hmm. uh, wasn't able to attend because, his fl- because Southwest Airlines canceled his flight and they weren't able to put him on another one that would have gotten them here uh, you know, in time to really get much done. So, oh, wow. so he had to pack in the, the entire weekend. But, uh, uh, Dave Schwenson, the author of, uh, the Beatles in Cleveland the Sh- and the mm-hmm. Beatles at Sh- Stadium, Sh- Judith Kirsten West, who has, you know, uh, uh has done several books, including mm-hmm. A Date with a Beetle and The Boys from Liverpool and, and some others. Dee Elias, who did the uh, book Confessions of a, uh, of a Beatle Maniac. Jude Sutherland Kessler, who has has done so far three volumes of her huge series of books on on the life of John Lennon. Um, oh yeah,
0: those those are those are amazing. Those yes, are, those
2: they really are, are. Yeah, and maybe uh, maybe maybe soon maybe we can have her uh, have her on here. Um, I would love I would love to. I think she'd be it'd be great to get. Yeah, her on here. Uh, Chuck Gunderson, as I mentioned, who has of course speaking of monumental books. Has yes. that huge oh, two-volume, heavy oh, yeah. chronicle of the three
1: U.S. tours? He was a great guest on our show when yes. he was just Steve me. Yes,
0: yes, so, uh, that was he was he was one of the I, that was when we went through the highlights. That was one of the better shows. He was mm-hmm. he was absolutely fantastic.
2: Candy Leonard. Chuck, thank ah,
0: Candy. Yes,
2: yeah. Candy. Uh, the author she of Beatleness. Uh, in fact, was, we, on it, Sunday afternoon, we had a really nice. Q&A between the two of us and much like you did with her in LA Mm -hmm. uh, Steve.
0: I love talking with her because that subject is so it's just so there's just so much there and it's so it's so different and it really blows me it keeps blowing me away that nobody has ever really gotten into that like she did
2: it's true very and
0: you know I mean there have been books about the Beatles and about Beatlemania but nobody has ever really delved into it yeah, The weight she has. And that's that's just amazing. You know, it really, it's one of the best books, uh, Beatle books that I have ever, ever seen. It mm-hmm. really, really is. And to anybody listening, it's a fantastic book. It really mm-hmm. is.
1: And in so fact. Well, what, the, what makes it great, well, I'm sorry, what makes it great isn't that it's not just about the Beatles. Yes. It's just as much about the fans. Yes. And right. how they affected the world, right. too.
2: Exactly. Right. So, right. And in fact, to put Pure in rage. yet another plug for Pure Pop Radio, Candy will be Alan Haber's guest this Thursday night, the, coming, 26th. Uh, the 26th on, uh, which, which, yeah, which yes, the it will be before airs. this airs, but it'll be in the, it'll be archived like my conversation was, uh, on, uh, in conversation with Alan. Oh, okay. And and as I said, Susan Ryan, uh, you know, anchored the uh, uh, the conversation. So it was. Uh, so there were a lot of authors there.
0: <laughs> cool, mm. that's fantastic. All right, let's move on to Saturday, and you were both there on Saturday. Let me start with you, Ken. Mm-hmm. What what happened on Saturday? What did you do on Saturday?
1: Well, most of the time I spent in the main ballroom, because probably my favorite thing to do is to listen to the interviews that are being done and also to watch the performances and it's it's all right there in that one room <laughs> and um you know any time that you have someone at the fest who hasn't been there ever or is only there a few times they're really special to me they're all special in their own way and for me since the music of the beatles and the solo beatles is what's always been the biggest reason why i love them so much anyone that's ever been a part of it in a creative way with any of the beatles they are of paramount importance to me so someone like russ Titelman, who has had a long career in the music business and at least uh as far as where we're concerned with his role in the beatles is that he co-produced the george harrison album from 1979 that was really special to me um as was jack oliver there was an interview with Jack Oliver that I uh, got to see. He's working on, for those of you that don't know, he was the the head of Apple Records for three years, from 1969 through 71. He was talking about the fact that he is working on a documentary on Apple right now. He's actually gotten Paul's approval. Mm. Wow. Uh, his own backing on it. So um, that's in the works, and uh, he's, I'm sure he's going to let us know as it gets closer to fruition when that's going to happen.
0: That has nothing to do. Um, with, that has nothing to do with the Ron Howard thing, does it? No. No.
1: But they're mm-hmm. completely different things.
0: Interesting. Interesting.
1: Okay. Yeah. Also, uh, I did not get to see him. This is one of the things uh, you know, I wanted to bring this up before, and I, I mentioned this about Mark Lepido's. Mm-hmm. Very often, the people who are working the shows are the ones that <laughs> see the least. <laughs> they don't observe. Yeah, that's true. If you were, we should just have a fan. As a guest to join us, who actually got to observe a lot more. But um, Bob Eubanks, I really wanted to see the interview with him, I the did interviews see over that. the weekend. You did. Yes. What did you think? Alan?
2: Uh, I thought, well, of course. I mean, the man is a total professional, you know, mm-hmm. and he knows how. Uh, now Ken Dashow interviewed him, and in fact, had specifically requested because he, uh, Ken, is a huge fan of of Bob Eubanks and um he um so he you know pretty much knew exactly what to ask him but also bob Eubanks is a you know a total professional after all he was a dj for however many years he uh you know obviously hosted the 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 newlywed game which is probably uh-huh. what right. best known for and then, of course, all the stories that he has about the uh, the two Beatles concerts that he promoted at the Hollywood Bowl, plus the the concert at Dodger Stadium in 1966, right. and a lot of uh, his interaction with with the Beatles. So uh, it was really a fascinating interview. You know, mm. it, it really was. It was uh, you know uh, uh, nothing too revealing, other than a um, uh, he did mention apparently a. Um, not really an argument, but certainly a that teddy had with, uh, with John Lennon, uh, before the, uh, the Dodger stadium show where as, as Bob put it, they were, they were nose to nose. So. Really? Yeah. yeah. Wow.
1: Do you know what it was about?
2: I don't remember what the issue was. In fact, I think Bob may not have been too specific about that. But, um but he said that apparently there, there definitely was a, uh, there was a discussion. He said there was a heated discussion between the two of them, you know, ah. but the, mm-hmm. uh, but the interview. And also I think he was, he was glad not to have to talk about the, the newlywed game too much. <laughs> You know, obviously they had to, you know, they had to get into it somewhat, but to, you know, certainly to the non-Beatle world, that's what he's known for. You know, he's really right. known for the newlywed game. And so he immediately has to talk about, you know, all the, the goofy answers and even the more, you know, the X-rated answers and things like that. But, uh, he also, he does a very good impression of Chuck Barris. Oh, <laughs> really? People, for those people who remember Chuck Barris, Chuck
0: Barris, yeah, oh my sure. god, oh my god, the God I, I did, I did ask him about the new addition to the New Lego game, and he hated it. He he was not he was yeah. not a big fan, of that, which I'm not either. I think it's horrible. I mean, it's terrible. But yeah, I think Eshau
2: uh, asked him about that too, and mm-hmm. uh, and it was yeah, he, he
1: was not not real complimentary about it. Mm-hmm. I would like to bring up one thing about Bob Eubanks, because my wife got to see the interview. Mm -hmm. I think that was while I was doing one of of my panels. Yes, you were doing the
2: the panel with uh,
1: uh, the guys from Elephant's Memory, exactly. Um, Apparently, he brought up Dave Hall several times. He did say, and this is for everybody who's not familiar with his work. You know, If you're not on the West Coast, you wouldn't have known who Dave Hall was. But Bob apparently said that he was very much like the Murray the K of, of L.A., Mm-hmm. And, um, he did have a lot of contact with the Beatles and he did interview them on the set of help and we did an interview with him, Steve and I. Right. And he had his new book out called Hullabaloo. But, you know, that's one of the, the big names in LA radio back in the sixties. Right. I mean, he was really huge and, and here on the East Coast, I, I wouldn't have known who he was, but, uh, yeah, he did. He did uh acknowledge Dave Hall in in, uh, in his interview. Mm-hmm. And on the very same station as I pointed out when we interviewed Dave, Casey Kasem was part of that lineup too. And
2: uh, they right. recently
1: departed Gary Owens. Right? That's right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And that whole that whole LA scene was a the, the radio scene down there was just absolutely fantastic.
2: Sure. Well, mean, much
1: like it, was, much it was, like it
2: was here, you know. Right.
0: Right. And I was I was I mean, I was fortunate enough to have a, a little bit of a little taste of both of them sure um, I, I, I was in new york actually a lot longer than i was around uh, the la area but i did hear both and but uh, the uh, yeah i mean there, there was there was uh, all sorts of stuff going on in la there was some great radio in la mm-hmm. if you were lucky enough to live there and i mean it, you know there were there were various areas of the, the country that had great radio stations new york was one new york had more than one they had three
2: big Radio stations. Three up until uh, February of sixty, oh April of sixty-five, and then it was two.
0: Was that when WINS? Uh, uh, yeah,
2: April of sixty-five was when uh, Wins uh, went all news, which uh, the format that they've had now for a couple of weeks short of fifty years.
0: Right. Okay. And then there, I mean, there was uh, there was uh, San Francisco with KYA. Sure. and, chi- K- and,
2: C- and Chicago. Chicago and- with WLS and WCFL.
0: Right, and there was, I mean, you could there's any number. Of oh stations. yeah,
2: any of the oh, major markets had a, had a big at least one big top 40 station. But
0: as Dave mm-hmm. as Dave was telling us, you know they were getting uh, they were K-R-R-L-A was getting exclusives and mm-hmm. you know and the uh, and the other stations were KHJ uh, uh, Boss Radio was you know they were. Neck and neck. they were nose to nose with those guys, and mm-hmm. it was a great situation. And, and uh, one of these days we're going to have to talk about that because it was a lot of fun.
2: Oh sure, and KFWB, right, which has a which has kind of a New York connection because B Mitchell Reed, who was one of the WMCA good guys, in fact, uh, did his last show fifty years ago last weekend, as, so that wow. he so that he could return to LA to kfwb from which he had come when he came to new york in the early 60s
0: ken you were was there more you wanted to say about uh, saturday
1: oh yeah um the guests were fantastic the other guests that were there for the weekend lawrence juber who's there quite frequently but he's always amazing every time you see him right um he is one of the greatest guitarists that's out there period (laughs) i mean all you have to do is go to one of his concerts and you'd be amazed at how well he plays oh yeah and um Apart from the fact that when he does his own show, he is incredible. I love seeing him on stage at the end of the, of the night when he's mm-hmm. being joined by Liverpool because he plays electric guitar, which you don't get to see him do all that often because I... all of his concerts, he's on acoustic mm-hmm. guitar. But I also love to see. You know, this is someone that every time that he does a performance of his own, he mixes his own original songs, and he has to do some Beatles and, and some McCartney because he knows he has that audience there. Mm-hmm. But he does more Beatles, and he enjoys it so much because mm-hmm. it's something that's a departure from what he normally does yes. and really lets loose on it. And you can see the smile on his face, how much he's enjoying this. Mm-hmm. He, mm-hmm. he did Johnny Be Good live. Yes. And he's also, he, he did Chuck Berry's duck walk, yeah. you know, <laughs> as, as he's doing this. Plus the fact that Lawrence also sang. And I never heard him sing live ever until, yeah. uh, the mm-hmm. Saturday show. He sang Johnny Be Good mm-hmm. and there was a performance by Jeff Slate's Birds of Paradox, yes. which for everyone, who, everyone who doesn't know, Jeff Slate does a million different things. He's a great musician and a songwriter. He writes for Beatle Fan among mm-hmm. amongst the many different publications he also, he also that he writes a, for. He's
0: he also a, writes for Examiner too.
1: Yeah. Okay, yes he does. Yeah, he mm-hmm. probably writes for everybody. But um, he has been in music for quite a long time. He's been in a number of bands, one of which is called The Badge, which is very popular, out of New York. But in recent years, he formed a band called Birds of Paradox, named after the song, surprise, surprise, okay. Sweet Birds of Paradox. And in the band, he has two of the members of Elephant's Memory, Gary Van Sayoc, who plays bass, and Adam Ippolito, who plays keyboards. Mm-hmm. And he's also got, when he can have them, Two of the members of the last lineup of Wings, Steve Holly on drums and Lawrence Juber on guitar. And he also has another great musician, Jimmy Mack, who plays guitar. So and Jimmy Mack has played with a ton of people. Oh, God, Denny yeah. Lane, uh Gene Cornish, you know, a lot of people. Oh. Anyway, so whenever they're doing a, a show locally here in New York, I try to see them mm-hmm. and they were amazing on stage because first of all, you've got the musicians there. You try to mix in something that has a wings connection or maybe elephant's memory. They did four songs from Back to the Egg. They did We're Open Tonight. Yeah. Where else are you ever going to yeah, hear right. We're Open Who does that? <laughs> By, by anybody. Right. Um, and, uh, they did Spin It On. They did Getting Closer. They did Arrow Through Me with Lauren singing lead. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and that's, that is a bitch of a song to sing. Yeah. And I got to well. tell you, cause it's really hard to sing that with different intervals, musical intervals. Yeah. And, um, actually I should say five songs because they also did the rock extra theme. Yes. But Steve Holly sang lead on it. Don't Come Easy. The band did handle with care mm-hmm. and Jimmy Mack did a great, the Roy Orbison party did that amazingly well. Mm-hmm. And Jeff Slate did some of his original songs and it was an incredible show. The band was so tight. You've got all these great musicians together. And you know, the part of the thrill for me in seeing the fest, it's kind of like going to Ringo and the All Stars when you, you got different lineups all the time and the, the mere fact that you have a different combination. Every time you see them, like when you go to the fest, makes it even more special because at the end of every evening, there's always this big jam session Mm -hmm. with the house band Liverpool. They do their own set and then they, they have all the guest musicians come up on stage and you have a different combination every single year. Mm -hmm. And, um, you've had Mark Hudson for something like the past 10 years or more and he's been, yeah, he's been a mainstay and he's great Mm -hmm. and, you know the fact that he has that that association with Ringo, especially though he worked with with um, Paul and George too mm-hmm. on Ringo stuff. But uh, you've got him. You've got Mark Rivera, who is the more that I see him, oh. the more I'm so blown away by this man because you know you're so used to thinking of him as a sax player, mm-hmm. especially when you see him in Billy Joel's band or Ringo's sure. with. Uh, but with Ringo, he does so much more. He does a lot more percussion stuff. And in the the more recent tours with this with this current lineup, he's been singing lead a lot mm-hmm. on the Toto stuff. Yeah. And he's a fantastic singer. Yes. And the album that he put out last year, Common Bond, proves that. It's it's an amazing album. Yeah. 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 And so this is someone that is only too proud to talk about working with Ringo and his love for the Beatles. And here he also gets a chance, just like with Lawrence Juber to do Beatles stuff that he normally wouldn't do if he's in Billy Joel's band, although Billy once in a while does Beatles, Mm -hmm. and the stuff that he does with Ringo. It could be other material that Ringo does. And he got to sing Got to Get You Into My Life, and he sounded fantastic on that. And then he did the song Money, 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 which is on Common Bond, which is the song that Ringo's on, by the way, and Mm -hmm. the band sounded fantastic. And that's another thing that I wanted to bring up about Liverpool. And I never get to say this that much, Mm but you know, in recent years... I've really gotten to listen to a lot of the Beatle cover bands. And going to the fest every single year, Liverpool impresses me more and more. Not just because of the fact that they play so well, but when you're able to back up all these guest musicians on their material, that impresses me even more. Mm -hmm. And they just the band playing on money, money, money. I mean, they were just a real tight unit oh, of yeah. great
2: musicians. Well, I think specifically um, that in, in the case of Liverpool, that the, the addition in the last few years of Glenn Burtnick, uh, it was a, you know, kind of a Jersey rock legend plus his years with sticks and all, uh, right. and John uh, Murjabi, I think the addition of those two, Really tightened that group up a
1: great deal uh-huh. and really ramped up their, their performance. Not only that, but a few years ago when I was watching Liverpool, they did Within You Without You. Mm-hmm. And John Murjavi played the sitar. I mean, how many yeah. Beatle bands out there <laughs> do you have a guy who plays <laughs> the real thing? Not, not in a synthesizer. Yeah. It's the real instrument. Yeah. So he had mm-hmm. to learn that. Sure. I mean, they're so into this, and, you know, they're definitely one of the best Beale cover bands out there. I wish that they kind of tour, because I think the only time they ever do anything, although they did tour with the Beach Boys, like, last year, two years ago, Mm -hmm. but most of the time they only play at the Fest. So, but they're really one of the best that's out there, and this is a great combination. But whenever they back up any of these musicians, I remember a few years ago when Ronnie Spector was a guest. Yes. And they were doing Try Some, Buy Some. Mm -hmm. Which is another really difficult song mm-hmm. to pull off. Yeah. There's a lot of time changes in there, and it's it's very difficult to do that song. Mm-hmm. And this band does it so well. Doesn't matter whether it's Ronnie Spector or Peter and Gordon or when Billy Preston was alive or you know any of those people, they pull it off mm-hmm. and they do it very well. Yeah. So um, you know, kudos to that band. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, now so I think if I remember correctly, you had to go directly from seeing. Birds of Paradox with Gary and Adam, right over to the uh, discussion uh, room for a panel discussion with them and you, with you and our friend Aaron DeViva.
1: Yeah, and that was great because it was basically talking about that whole period with John and Yoko. And uh, I've known Gary for quite a number of years. We go back to my days in New Jersey Radio back in the 80s when mm-hmm. I interviewed him. And, um, you know, they just, it's, it's amazing to think that that particular period, they did so much (laughs) with John and Yoko. When you think about the sometime in New York City album, then there's the Elephant's Memory album, then there's Yoko's Approximately Infinite Universe, then there's the one-to-one concert, then you've got all the TV appearances, Mike Douglas, Dick Cavett, those. There was a lot in a very short period of time. Mm-hmm. So they have a fascinating story to tell. But basically, you know, they're very proud of that time with John and Yoko. And, you know, I like to just bounce around and talk about the differences between sometime in New York City recording that album, recording Elephant's Memory, uh, that album, and Yoko's album, and what it was like. What were the differences between working with John and Yoko? So, um, That's always an interesting conversation right there. Mm -hmm. And talking about John, they, they certainly remembered not only in the very beginning rehearsing a lot of, you know, 50s rock and roll and all that, but, uh, when they did sometime in New York City, it was recorded very quickly and John wanted to get a song done each night. And, uh, may not be the Please Please Me album, recording 10 songs in one day, Mm -hmm. but to do one, one song a day, you know, that's pretty fast. Yeah. (laughs) And then working with Yoko, they really enjoyed it for the most part. And, uh, there wasn't, it wasn't like the, like, um, they gave the band instructions Mm -hmm. on, on what to do. They, it kind of like fell together very quickly. You kind of knew what to play. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, so I love talking to the two of them and I got to interview Adam privately, which I had never done before. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, that was, that was a great time. And Darren was a great, uh you know co-moderator with me Mm -hmm. i enjoyed doing uh i did another panel on sunday and darren was involved with that too and that was with nancy lee andrews right but um that's the thing there's there's nobody more important to me personally and you guys could disagree than the people that worked with the beatles whether it was creatively or maybe they had a personal relationship with them Mm -hmm. and when you've got The two surviving members of that band of Elephant's Memory, you know, that's something to treasure right there. Who else can talk about that period? Same thing with any of these people, Mark Hudson, Mark Rivera, Lawrence Juber. You know, those are people that are really special to me. And if any of them could just talk about what it was like working with them creatively in the studio, on albums, whatever, that stuff is priceless. Sure. Because that's what we should, you know, best admire the Beatles for Mm -hmm. all these years, the whole creative process. Not to discount the authors, I love the authors, mm-hmm. but the people who are closest to them—those are people we should be treasuring. Sure, you know, and and, and, that's, uh, and, and that's,
0: that's the real value of of, of uh, events like this, where you get to, you know, you get up close with these people. I mean, you'd never, you know, I mean, you'd never get any other opportunity like that. Mm-hmm. So that's what's, that's what's really, you know, being able to talk to Mark Hudson. You know, who worked so much with Ringo, with uh, Mark Rivera, who has, you know, who's been, who still actually is a member of the All-Star Band, even though he's, ha- hasn't been with them as much recently. I mean, he, but yeah, I mean, that,
1: that, that
0: whole All-Star Band thing just fascinates me the way that continues to work. I'm just saying that, you know, for people who are ready to dismiss Ringo, Ringo keeps, keeps doing it. I mean, Ringo does what, he, you know, he knows, what he does and he's, he doesn't try to go crazy and, you know, and, and working with him, you have people like Hudson and, and Rivera who have, who have done that, um, you know, and then you have all, you know, you have, you know, you have other, you know, you well, four, of course right?
2: to be, to be totally accurate, uh, Mark Hudson has not worked with Ringo for the last, I guess what, four albums, because right. The, the relationship I... with them ended after, right. uh,
1: uh, I guess about 2006 or so. But but well, I mean, Liverpool part,
0: Liverpool eight. Well, okay. Liverpool he's, eight
1: was the last he time.
0: The, he is part of the history of. Washington. Oh sure, oh absolutely. And I yeah. think all of that, you know, all of that comes into play. You know, all of that, and that's one of the benefits of, you know, you talk to people like Jack Oliver who were who were there, on the scene. You know, uh um, Russ Tittleman who you know who did work with George on the on the on that album and. You know, so you, you you get that's one of the real benefits of attending these things is you get to deal with these, you know, you get to talk with these people and actually meet them, you know, we, we actually personally you as a fan get to talk to them and that's really something that is really you know one of the one of the real benefits of this whole thing. Uh, anyway, let's get back to
2: fact we have forgotten Gary Wright. That's
0: oh, right. Yeah. I
1: was going to say that.
0: That's right. Gary Wright. Gary Wright was also, also there. Was he there Saturday too?
1: He was there Saturday
0: I and I think I think
2: he was and there Sunday as well.
1: I saw Gary perform mm-hmm. doing the three songs. Yeah. He did Dreamweaver, Love Is Alive and To Discover Yourself,
2: mm-hmm.
1: which was uh, you know, a real treat to hear that song with the band backing him up. Mm-hmm. Uh especially considering the fact that, you know, he wrote that with George. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, um and he has a brand new book out about his life with George, who was such a, a big influence on him, probably more so than anybody. Right. And, uh, but there's one other thing that I, I just want to bring <laughs> up about these musicians. And it isn't just the fact that they worked with a Beatle. If their lives have been music and then they, they've been performing music and writing music, they have a deeper understanding of what the Beatles have done. And they could bring that to the table. And one of my favorite things that I like to watch at the fest is when they have a panel there of musicians, and they talk about influences yes. or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, they bring up things just off the top of their heads that most of us wouldn't think about. And not only that, but you have somebody like Lawrence Juber there, who was brought up in England mm-hmm. most of his life. He has a different perspective of things, yes. you know, and he can he can relate more about the early roots of rock and roll and what was played on the radio in England as opposed to what we heard here. And so that part, you combine all that together and it's it's really fascinating. In fact, you
2: know, they, uh, they, they, in this particular Under the Influence uh, session – they were talking a great deal about the, the whole, uh, blurred lines, um, got to give it up controversy and about, you right. know, what's, uh, you know, whether a, uh, you know, a, you know, can a riff be copyrighted or, you know, can a, uh, you know, just a, you know, the, the atmosphere of a record, could that be copyrighted? Because that's
0: a, that's a whole show right there. I mean, yeah. cause there's a, I mean, obviously, for everybody, anybody that knows the George Harrison court decision several years ago relates very much to this whole blurred line.
2: Uh, well, not it. only that, but also the uh, the, the situation with um, uh, the Tom Petty song and the um, Sam Smith. Sam Smith, thank you. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, his his hit, uh, which uh, has more
1: than a passing resemblance. Mm-hmm right yes. but it's I, I really enjoyed that discussion yes. because they all were in agreement yes. and these are all musicians so you gotta you gotta take what they say a bit more seriously than the rest Absolutely. of us because um stevie wonder even said the same thing mm-hmm. just after that court decision was made you can't copyright a groove exactly or or a feel it's one thing when you when you're talking about stealing a melody mm-hmm. you know that's another thing altogether and they, what they were able to do so well was to play certain chords. Yes. And uh, and and display to everybody with the same combination of chords. How many songs have been created with the same uh, chord progressions mm-hmm. over and over again? In fact, there was one thing, and it reminded me of when I interviewed Lawrence Juber a year or two ago. He was bringing up the fact that I never heard it in my head, but you won't see me. Came out in 1965, and, and there was a lot of great Motown stuff coming out that mm-hmm. year. And he said to me that that's not too far removed from it's the same old song. Yeah.
2: And then sure. he played
1: the chords to both, mm-hmm. and it's like, wow, yeah. I never heard that. <laughs> and
2: that's, that's, yeah, yeah, very much so. Very much me... so.
1: When you have musicians doing this, and they bring this stuff to light, you know, and you you know, it's, that's indispensable, mm-hmm. hearing that from people who study this stuff. Mm-hmm.
0: Right, right. Let me bring up a couple of other guests um, that okay. we haven't mentioned so far. Did you guys see uh, Alan Tannenbaum, Bob Gruen, and Rob Shanahan?
2: No. Uh, the, uh, Bob uh, Bob was there. Bob Gruen was there on Friday night, but mm-hmm. I did not see his, uh, his session. And uh, the Photographers Forum... Which uh, which both Alan and uh, Rob participated in, along with Nancy Lee Andrews. I didn't see that. Although Ken, weren't you and weren't
1: either you or Darren involved with that? Yes, Darren and I did that right. one, and that was a lot of fun mm-hmm. because Nancy Lee Andrews is someone that you know. She's in recent years. She's made herself known because of her. Her photo book, Absolutely. A Dose of Rock and Roll, which came mm-hmm. out a few years ago. Sure. And, uh, she's got some story to tell there because, you know, apart from being Ringo's girlfriend mm-hmm. for the, for the good part of half of the decade, she was engaged to him. Right. Mm-hmm. right. And, you know, that says something right there. She told me it was 1976 when Ringo proposed. So there was several years there when they were engaged to each other. Sure. And she got to see a lot of what was going on, uh, at that time with, with Ringo's album. She was involved with the photography for the front cover of Ringo the Fourth and also the front cover of the Bad Boy album. And, um, you know, she was there at a time when I think a lot of fans would be interested to know what Ringo was like because it started the, you know, the, the downturn. Uh, of, right. of his career and how did Ringo handle that and well, he wasn't used to that especially after coming coming off of Ringo and Goodnight Vienna doing so well plus also that
2: was also uh, that was still during a period when he had a lot of interaction studio wise and personally with uh, at least with George and uh and John and to some extent with Paul
0: she had some great photos in uh, oh, LA sure. mm-hmm. um, but the other guest I wanted to ask you about was, did you guys get to see the weeklings?
1: Oh, yes. And they were fantastic. You know, actually, um, they were on Sunday, and they started while I was at the end of the Nancy Lee Andrews panel. Yes. So as soon as that was done, I ran right. back in to catch the Weaklings. And they just sounded amazing. They sound just like the record. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think the crowd really dug them a lot mm-hmm. because they mixed the Beatles stuff with their originals. And not only was the musicianship and the playing so good, but their harmonies were just spot on. Yeah. And um they just sounded fantastic. I know that at the end of the show... When they were, uh, meeting and greeting fans and selling their stuff, there was a big crowd around them. Mm -hmm. So, uh, they really dug that performance. Yeah.
2: Yeah. They, and, uh, it's, uh, you know, the album has gotten, now Steve did a very, very favorable review of the Mm -hmm. album and, uh, and actually it's gotten very good notices.
0: Yeah, I've been carrying that in my iPhone and listening to it. It's it's really, it's really good. Uh, It's, you know, there are so many Beatle tribute albums out there. I mean, I had God knows how many there are, but this one actually brings you back in. It's it's one. That you will find yourself listening to over very and over much. So.
2: I, I bumped into I bumped into Glenn in the uh, in the flea market, and mm-hmm. uh, he was telling me that they had that it had gotten you know a lot of you know very very positive word of mouth, especially on social media.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How about you mentioned the flea market? How was the flea market?
2: It's um, it's not what it used to be because there are let's face it, there are a lot of dealers. Who, uh, who no longer go to the fest only because, you know, they, they feel that they can make more money selling online. Mm-hmm. So the, it, right. it's not the wall to wall dealer paradise that it was even 20 years ago. And there's a, and now the, 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 there's a separate fest store. Because it had been, you know, the the um, licensed merchandise that the fest sells, uh, the area for them had been growing and growing and growing uh, over the years, and so the last year was decided to have like a separate store
0: uh, apart yeah.
2: from what they call the marketplace. Right, but,
0: and I, you know, and and when mm-hmm. I remember saying after the LA Fest, I wish they would go back to the, and I think a lot of the dealers wish that too because there was a lot more traffic. With with the two stores together, and I hope they at some point decide to do
2: that. I, well, I, it would have been uh, actually if the if the convention had been at the hotel in Secaucus, it would have been forced to be together. But the problem mm. is that there's that the 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 fest now carries so much merchandise mm. that it's it's it really is better for there to be two separate rooms. And and especially in this case, because they were side by side, which has not Hmm. always been the case, and it wasn't the case in Chicago, and it wasn't in in the case in L.A., but in this case, they were side by side, so uh so that that seemed to work very well but uh but the, you yeah, know there were yeah, and of course the usual the kind of the usual suspects <laughs> you might say were in the oh, flea market the you know the usual rockaway records and uh Bruce spiser of course was there and uh you know a number of uh you know the the memorabilia dealers who have been there almost since the first year in 74 so, okay. so there was still, a, you know, there was still a good size flea market.
1: Okay, let me ask. Well, you. I got to tell you, I did notice because I didn't spend any time in the flea market. Mm-hmm. I passed by it, Yeah. but it wasn't even half the size of what it was in New Jersey. No. And uh, and same thing with the main ballroom. The main ballroom is much smaller than what you had in New Jersey. Right,
2: but the the trade off was that there were all these other little rooms because, especially since. Michelle and Jessica Lapidus, particularly uh, and Danny Abriano, they have been, you know, trying to kind of expand the focus of the Fest into other areas. And so mm-hmm. there is this room called the Fabratory where there would be discussions and presentations and things. And that seemed to get a lot of very good reaction uh and and some other some other things as well. So so yeah, the ballroom wasn't as big, but it also didn't get as ridiculously crowded as the one in in Secaucus would on a, especially on a Saturday night where you know people mm. would be, you know, just like crowded in like sardines. It wasn't as big, but it was probably wider than than the one in Secaucus. And the flea market, um, I would say, I mean, total space, no. Uh, but if you probably, if you separated, if you, you know, put a, a, a separation line down the middle of the room and put the Fest store at, on one side and the other dealers on the other side, it's probably about the same. You know, plus the fact that certainly for the dealers, it wouldn't be, uh, you know, 120 degrees in the room because that's right. always been a, a big problem in Secaucus mm. has been the fact that it would be either, and, and I know this firsthand having sat at a Beetle fan table for several years in the, in the nineties and it would either be too, too hot or too cold. And there generally was never any, uh, any in between. And so I, uh, I I have a feeling a lot of the dealers did not miss being in Secaucus at all.
0: Mm-hmm. And let me also mm-hmm. ask, were there any uh, quote-unquote imports uh, in the, oh, the room?
2: Uh, <laughs> I didn't see any, but these days, you know, they're really um, – because of the fact that everything – is kind of available online, including, you know, this recent, uh, you know, BBC, BD- BBC uh, mm-hmm. distribution for free of, you know, 20, what is it, 23 discs worth 20, of, 24. 24, 24 discs of material. Mm. Uh, right now there really isn't, you know, there really isn't kind of a a need for that, those particular types of, um uh, imports. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, and there, there was definitely no, uh, separate, um, room for imports. Let's put it that way. Hmm.
1: Okay. Okay. Can I ask Al a question? Please. Go ahead. I just wanted to know how your panel went with candy and if there was any material that you covered there that it was, wasn't put up on our show. I was
2: telling Steve before we began, uh, recording, it was wonderful. It, uh, it, it flew by. Uh, you know, I, uh, I, I kind of knew the kind of questions that I wanted to ask. Now I didn't see Steve's session with her in October in, in LA, uh, which may have been a good thing because that way I wouldn't, I wasn't influenced. So I had like a, you know, kind of a specific, uh, series of questions and, uh, it, it went very well. Candy, of course, you know, she's a very good public speaker and she gave, you know, very full and very complete answers. You know there were no mm-hmm. yes or no answers, and especially considering that um we've talked before in other in other forums you know in actual panel discussions and things like that uh we're familiar you know we're familiar with each other and i'm from obviously very familiar with the book and and one of the subjects in the book mm-hmm. and so it went very well. The only problem was it went too quickly it was forty five minutes. And I suddenly looked at my watch because I was all set to kind of let the crowd ask questions. And I looked at my watch and uh, at the same time that uh, I saw that there were about two minutes left, the uh, the sound guy was giving giving us, you know, wrap up uh, signals. So that was the only negative. But it went very well. It was a very, uh, very nice conversation. And and also somebody took some nice photos. That, uh, that have, uh, appeared on, uh, on Facebook of the two of us, uh, uh, right. you know, from the conversation, uh, that appeared, I, yet uh, within the last day or so. Yeah, I saw right.
0: those. I saw those. They were, yeah. Yeah. She's a great, she's a great speaker. And yes, I, she I look is. For, look, look forward to having her on the show, on our show again. Mm-hmm. Um, anything, anything else? Let's talk for, uh, there's been some social media, since uh, uh the fest ended about the fest itself and with some critical comments. Let's talk about that. And because you and I were discussing this before we got started out mm-hmm. and, and some of the, some of these criticisms have been going on for years. People are going, why don't we have such and such, you know, why doesn't so-and-so come? Why don't Paul and Ringo come? You know, uh, and let's, let's talk about the reality of that situation. Um, First of all, the the why the such and such, um, there are probably people we would all love to see there, and the fact is that well, number the one,
2: fa- the fact is the re- I mean the real reality is that mm-hmm. the the guest pool has been shrinking, because you know um you know I'm sorry, but Harry Nilsson is dead, and uh, Victor Spinetti is dead, and Walter Shenson is dead, and uh, Doris Troy is dead. And Billy Preston is dead, and so are a number of other. Mal Evans, who was the uh, mm-hmm. guest at the uh, uh, the second Beatle Fest, is dead. Mm-hmm. You know, there are a number uh, of guests who have been at the fest over the years who are gone. It's uh, you know, I. I to interrupt
0: for a second mm-hmm. having heard the stories about harry Nilsson, i you know uh harry uh, harry has a harry is, lives on in Beetlefest oh no
2: uh, harry is one of the for a lot of reasons is one of the greatest guests in the history of the convention uh for a lot of different <laughs> reasons right but um, right. but the uh, you know uh george martin is 89 years old, virtually deaf, right. uh, and doesn't travel and has never done a convention. Uh, the right. Cynthia Lennon is a widow now. She's been in somewhat poor health over the last year or so. She doesn't want to travel and has rarely done conventions. Uh, the, the, the beetle offspring, you know, the children of the, of the individual Beatles, none of them. Have done a convention, and I doubt none, of, if any of them ever will. You know, Paul and Ringo. I think that's you know the, the, that you know that, that answers itself because you know I yes I know there was a uh, there was a monkeys convention in um, Secaucus, New Jersey last March at which the three surviving monkeys appeared. Well, guess what? The monkeys yes, they were created in the image and likeness of the Beatles. The monkeys are not the Beatles. And Paul and Ringo, I mean, if they if they you know, they have an open invitation. You know, John Lennon nearly came to the first Beatles Fest and then, you know, to to do the drawing for the uh the charity raffle and chickened out. Uh but over the years they all have known that they have an open invitation and none of them have chosen to accept it. So I think
0: you know that's that's a a, a point that you, we need to take a little further because
2: mm-hmm.
0: really the Beatles it's not I mean it's not just the fact that Paul and Ringo won't do it. Paul and Ringo are in that class of celebrity that really goes
2: beyond yeah. you know I mean well, then, they are the only, literally, they are the only two people alive who know that kind of fame. Because Bing Crosby is dead, Frank Sinatra is dead, Elvis Presley is dead, John Lennon is dead, George Harrison is dead. Ringo and Paul are the only two people alive who know the kind of fame that those, you know, the, the, the summit of pop music success,
0: mm-hmm. uh, but but even 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 more so though, they they are currently, and even if even if you know the Beatles don't, you know in, in oh, terms yeah. of something I mean, they, so, they, so, yeah, they are still very very big. Yeah, they Paul, have lengthy careers. Look yeah, at Paul McCartney. Absolutely. Paul McCartney is one of the biggest celebrities, one of the richest men in the world. Sure, and to to even expect that Paul McCartney would do that. Is
2: really out of the, is out of the question. And it seems uh, almost two thirds of the time, uh, very close to the time of a fest, either of them or both are on tour. So uh-huh. obviously they you know they're not going to take time out to to appear at a you know at a at a fest. So you know that's just out of the question. But so the people that complain about the guests, you know, I just that's just it's it's ridiculous. They also uh-huh. complain about the cost. Well, guess what? Uh they if you compare the price of a ticket to see Paul McCartney and and a ticket to 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 spend 3 days at the fest, they're about comparable. In fact, actually, a ticket for um, you know, for, you know, a really good seat for a McCartney show is going to cost more than it is to go to the fest for the entire weekend. And, and much, much more if you take one of the VIP packages. Mm -hmm. So right there, you know, that, that cancels out that argument. The price, you know, it's, you know, it's just the going these days, it's the going rate. You know, people are going to say, Oh, well, the tickets were only, uh, you know, I don't know, $8 in 1974. Great. How much was a quart of milk in 1974? (laughs) Right. Right. How much was a car in 1974? You know people again, people who do that kind of complaining are just you know they, they're either they 're either too ignorant to realize how ignorant they sound or they 're just these these as I call them the never satisfied who just it, you know they 're just never satisfied by anything they have to complain about something and they have to, especially if they spend a lot of time on social media, which some people spend far too much time uh doing. You know, they, uh, they have to complain and, uh, that's, uh, and then also there are people, there seems to be a crowd that is very attached to the fact that for many years, the, ho- the, the convention was in the hotel in Secaucus, which, mm-hmm. you know, 35 years ago was a very nice hotel. It was a nice, it was a new, very nice hotel. Well, it's not a very nice hotel anymore. It's pretty much a dump. And the, the accident that happened in, with the snow plow and the parking garage and the damage that was done to the exhibition area, I think was a blessing. And I think the majority of people, especially the, the people that were there for most of the weekend, I think the majority of people actually prefer the hotel in Rye and, uh, mm-hmm. do not, at least don't want to go back to Secaucus. But there are, for some, for whatever reason, whether it's you know sentiment, I, I keep I keep hearing people making the Shea Stadium comparison. You know, it was you know it was a dump, but it was our dump. Well, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> it's uh it's that silly, you know that. Uh, well, I mean, thank God that accident didn't happen during the fest. Oh my gosh! Right. Oh my God! That would have been that would have been catastrophic.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Oh, are you so,
2: kidding? That would have, oh, there would have been, there would have been deaths. Right. Are you yeah, I mean, kidding? just think.
0: Uh, but yeah, I mean, but, uh, I mean, it's, it's good that it happened when it happened and they were and able. It
2: was to- an absolute miracle. Uh, fortunately, up right after the accident happened, I think mm-hmm. the hotel in, uh, in Rye, uh, the, I keep calling it the hotel. It's called the Hilton Westchester. They, I think they kind of, Sense that maybe, maybe there might be a chance to get the fest up there. So they immediately contacted Mark with the Tunt. Mark and Carol were in Florida at the time. And, mm-hmm. you know, they, they really put on a sales pitch. And in fact, on Friday afternoon, uh, they had a, they had a press event, you know, a media event, uh, mm-hmm. there for, uh, with the Chamber of Commerce, uh, uh, you know, for, uh, Rybrook. And I think also Westchester County, uh, and it became, uh, including having Liverpool play a couple of songs and it became a, like a local media event. Uh, they, mm-hmm. so they really did a great job in kind of drafting the, the show, but also the, just the, the mere fact that we're, you know, that it was, it was able to be moved, you know, this whole operation was able to be moved from Secaucus, Right. To Westchester County was a near miracle. Actually, can't uh, let me let me ask you. Um, since I just ran, went into this rant, <laughs> you knew this was going to happen, didn't you? Yes.
1: How do you really feel? Yeah. Now? How
2: do I really feel? Let me throw the the same uh, subject matter at you. And since obviously, uh, you know, you know, not only are you involved with. Uh, you know the convention itself but also you're a fan and you've you've attended the fest for many many years both in an uh, unofficial and official con- uh, capacity how do you feel about all of that you know about those the various complaints and things like that
1: well i try to take a look at everything and look at it in full in every every angle and as much as I don't want to have to admit this. There are a lot of people, as they get older, they don't like change at all. Mm -hmm. And I know people that live where I live in Connecticut, where if they have to leave their town, (laughs) it's a struggle. You know, they want to keep everything right where it is. Mm-hmm. So I understand how some people are that way, and it's really not that far from Secaucus. No. A lot of people think that we're talking about Manhattan, mm-hmm. and it's not that. Mm-hmm. It's it's maybe, I don't know, half an hour away from Secaucus. Mm-hmm. It's not that much more of a drive. Mm-hmm. And I actually like this hotel much better yes. than the one in Secaucus. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's more spacious, much more modern. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the fact that there are more rooms to do more activities. Mm-hmm. And you also have to question that as time goes on, you have to make adjustments to the fest. Mm-hmm. Now, I am a first, or I guess some people call it a second-generation person, mm-hmm. where I care more about the guests than anything else. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of younger people who care more about the battle of the bands than they care about the guests. Very true. Who don't even know who Gary Wright is. Who don't even know who Lawrence Juber is. Mm -hmm. You've got those fans, too. You've got to try to appeal to everybody. And in many ways, I look at any kind of event or program, it's all the same. I do a radio show every single week on the Beatles. Mm -hmm. I can't just think that everybody who listens grew up in the 60s and has followed everything and all the solo music and knows it religiously. There are young people who listen who don't know 80% of the music, Mm -hmm. you know, and you've got to try to reach out to every single one of them. And I think that as much as I could care less about some of the younger activities, you have to bring that out. You know, you have to be able to address address all people. Mm -hmm. Now, as far as the guests are concerned, like you said, there are fewer and fewer, certainly of the 60s, Fewer people that are left alive exactly. that you can even have as a guest. Right. And that's just reality. Mm-hmm. I mean, aside from a few of the Apple artists, James Taylor, who has no reason to be at a, at a Fest for Beatles fans, right. or, or Mary Hopkin, who barely ever gives interviews or is out there, there aren't too many people out there. Thank God that we had Peter and Gordon right before Gordon yeah. passed away. Billy J. Kramer has been a semi-regular. Thank mm-hmm. God we got those people. Yeah. There's a few others from from Brian Stable that maybe you can bring over. He did have Jerry Marsden many years ago. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, there aren't that many left yeah. from the 60s, and that's just reality. Mm-hmm. And like you said, you're not going to get Paul and Ringo there. You're not going to get their children there. Right. Uh, but what you have to do is make adjustments and pull in people from the 70s and the 80s, which Mark has done. Right. He's had almost every member of Wings, mm-hmm. except for uh, Joe English. Yeah. Uh, every every surviving member of Wings has been there. Mm-hmm. He's ha- he has the two surviving members of Elephants Memory there. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a few studio musicians that I'd love to see. I mean, I- I'd give anything for Jim Keltner to be a guest. Yeah. I don't think that's likely to happen. Yeah, I don't think. You know, that he's just... one of the greatest guests he could ever have. He's had, which is Klaus Voormann. Mm-hmm. There aren't too many people who are left, and I and I think. As as you're going into the 80s and the 90s, there might be less and less interest in those people. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'd love to see Hamish Stewart and Robbie McIntosh or yeah. <laughs> any of the people that that played with Paul. There will come a time, probably, when the the band he's had for the last mm, since 2001, mm-hmm. they might be guests in the future. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Sure. But that's what you have left. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. Stewart, that's just the reality of it all. Stewart
2: yeah?
0: did Stewart did L.A. By the
2: way, and and also Hamish, Hamish and Robbie did uh, they did Chicago about uh, uh, about fifteen years ago.
0: Yeah, okay. I, I, I met I met Hamish. And I don't remember uh, McIntosh, but I I did meet Hamish. In
2: yeah. Anyway, you were saying, Ken.
1: But you have to ask the fans what do they want? You know, what do they really want? That would be make it such a big draw. I mean, this is reality as far as guests are concerned. Mm-hmm you know if you if you're there to see young people perform Beatles' music, you've got that right. every single year. Mm-hmm. I could care less about the puppet show that's just me <laughs> but they're, yeah. but I'm sure that they're, they have its own audience the puppet right, show very has much own, so. those kind of things, but you try to appeal to everybody, and the mere fact that this has been pulled off for over forty years is extraordinary mm-hmm. i mean i I know there are so many people that are not the least bit aware of all the work that gets put into. A radio show like the one that I do, and I'm not saying that to boast. Do you have any idea what it takes to put together a fest yeah. every single year, or two of them, mm-hmm. or like, like last three, year, three, three like three. last year?
2: Yeah.
1: Do you know what it takes to have all the guests lined up, yeah. to have all these different activities, to to schedule all these panels, to you know, and to even expand it more to have different activities? Mm-hmm. It's a ton of work that people aren't even aware mm-hmm. of what it takes. Very true. Oh, yeah. So as a as I've gotten older, I've, I've come to realize, and I relate that to my own work, because people don't know what it takes to put together yes. a radio show. My own family doesn't know. <laughs> <laughs> so I can appreciate more and more, and the fact that, that Mark has been doing this for 40-plus years, more now than ever. Mm-hmm. And all I have to do is witness what I see in the main ballroom with all these guests mm-hmm. and see them jamming every single year. Yeah. And that alone is worth it for me. mm mm-hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. when you get these, like I said before, these these rare combinations that can only happen at the fest. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Where else are you going to see Mark Hudson and Mark Rivera and Lawrence Juber and and, you know, Gary Wright all on the same stage? Mm -hmm. You know, maybe maybe they're in Ringo's All-Stars or some of them are. You're never going to get all these people in some other venue performing together. You know, it's. I'd love to see Jeff Slade's Birds of Paradox go on the road. Yeah. (laughs) It's not that easy because you can't get, you know, Lawrence Juber lives in California and he tours all the time. Sure. And uh, that kind of thing. But to get this this kind of combination is so rare and it can only happen at something like this. Yeah. And that's why I appreciate this more and more as years go on. And like I said, you have a Billy J. Kramer there. You have a Peter Asher there. Mm -hmm. Hold on to them for dear life because Mm -hmm. they have stories that they can tell just like the people from the, the, the following decades, treasure these people because they're not going to be with us forever. Mm-hmm. And this is this is the perfect opportunity, aside from seeing them live,
2: yep.
1: when uh when you can actually do this. So I don't know what fans what there is to complain about. Yeah. Right. If you're trying to appeal to every age age group from the first generation fans to the newest fans, there's something there for everybody. You know, and the only complaint that I could possibly make about the fest is that I can never do all the things that I want to do. Yeah, all well, right. Because Same here. I could spend I could spend the whole day in the main ballroom and be happy with that, mm-hmm. but then I'm going to be missing other panel discussions, mm-hmm. or um, you know, I, I also try to get my own private interviews when I'm there. I also enjoy talking to all the people who follow my shows, mm-hmm. and you know, and, and you're pulled in so many different directions that you can't do everything that you want to do, even if you're there for all three days.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right, and so. For anyone that complained about the one in New York last year, come on. Yeah. You couldn't, you, you couldn't fit all those guests in the, in the hotel in New Jersey. Oh, it was, Just the yeah, guests alone. Yeah. It's, it is insane. Oh, it was, you it had was
2: absolutely a- crazy. And, and, and yet, incredibly, there were people complaining, mm-hmm. you know, that they, <laughs> oh, the ticket prices were too high. The parking was too much. <laughs> <laughs> New York, New York, crazy New York. <laughs> oh, it's, it's nauseating.
1: You know, every now and then I like to ask fans, who would they like as a guest that hasn't been there already? Yes. And there's very few people left that you can even think of. Right. You know, and even then you have to sometimes, uh, stretch it a little bit to maybe a British invasion artist that may not have had direct contact or worked that closely with the Beatles. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, and I've spoken to Mark, what about Eric Burden, someone like that? You know, there's, there's Mm -hmm. those few people, it, it's very difficult yeah. to try to find other other guests that haven't been there already, and the ones who haven't been there probably don't have an interest no. or un, they're only going to be there if they have something to promote right and right. that's you know that's the main thing yeah
2: i mean a James Taylor you know just is i mean obviously he's not the you know the mega star that he once was, but he's still you know his asking price alone. Would probably be prohibitive because he hmm. still plays large. He's still plays large arenas. You know, yeah. he can still sell out Madison Square Garden. So
1: right, he's not right. going to
2: appear at a, at a at a fan convention, please.
1: Right. He yeah. has no reason to. Right. It. There's no purpose behind yeah. it. It doesn't benefit him. Mm-hmm. So you know, I don't know what the fans want. Well, the the few that are complaining about these things, it, it's it's kind of ridiculous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It really is. Um, you know, I just, as I've gotten older, I've appreciated all the work that gets put into it. Not just what Mark does, but all the other conventions. Yes. It's just, it's a ton of work. Mm -hmm. And most people don't even realize that. Yeah. And the fact that it's been pulled off for 40 plus years is extraordinary. And not just, uh, not just in our area, but Chicago. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I know he just did the one in LA. Right. But it's it's a lot of work. You yeah. did one in Boston several years ago. Mm-hmm. I, I you know it's it's a ton of work, and and most people aren't aware of the, of of what it takes to put these things together. Oh yeah, especially
2: uh, last year, the the fact that there was I mean less there was I think about six or seven weeks between the Chicago Fest and the LA Fest, and mm-hmm. it was the the amount of of work that had to be. You know, begun, I mean, almost immediately after we got back from Chicago was just monumental.
0: We should, uh, clarify what your role is with the fest because you're
2: Oh you're yeah, not... yeah, I mean, yeah, right. In all, in all candor, and although I think, I think that comes through, uh, in what I've been saying, uh, is that I'm, I've been involved with, with, with the fest either in an official capacity or as a, You know, friend or whatever since the very first one in 1974. Uh, and I've been, you know, as, uh, doing all manner of different, of different things. So, uh, you know, so obviously I'm not totally objective, but I think I'm objective enough and I've, you know, had enough experience as a just an just as an observer of the fest, let alone being part of the the operation. Uh and, and it's the same with Ken. Ken has been uh involved uh with the Fest uh to to some extent over the last uh maybe twenty years. And
1: more than that. Yeah, probably more than more that. Than,
2: probably <laughs> going back to like you know the like the beginning of the nineties, I guess. Uh so it's um uh, so yes, so, you know, I, obviously I'm not an, an, you know, I'm, I'm not a impartial observer, but I think I, you know, I think I've got a pretty good, uh, a pretty good handle on, you know, how things go and, and how they should go. Okay. Mm.
0: All right. Uh, and I, actually the, uh, what I did in LA was the first time that I actually hosted a, right. an event yeah um the fest um yeah, sure. i did i have been on i had been on uh a panel uh at least once uh before in the old in the older l a fest but that was games. the first yeah. yeah but that was the first time mm-hmm. uh i had actually hosted an event and that was fun i enjoyed i enjoyed mm-hmm. that anyway i just want for everybody you know for all that all that we're saying i think that needs to be said yes
1: absolutely
2: I,
0: we have had and
1: what had full, some,
2: full disclosure
0: Full disclosure, yes. What were you going to say, Ken?
1: I just wanted to give a shout-out to Tom Franjoan who co-hosted yes. uh the fest for the whole weekend, and that's, you know, I imagine on Monday he was comatose. He was,
2: uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I be, especially since know. he had to be back at work this morning. Uh, yeah, between the, I, um, I, I have a feeling he probably had an afternoon yesterday, much like I did. I think Tom, uh, probably, uh, got a lot of sleep. At least I hope he did, uh, yesterday because he was going absolutely full blast, uh, especially on, well, Saturday, both Saturday and Sunday. Because he, because he had to bounce between, you know, uh, co-hosting in the ballroom when either Ken Dashout was not there or when, uh, when Darren or Ken or whoever wasn't available and, uh, and there and the, and doing trivia and name that tune and various and sundry other things in the discussion room. And he did a presentation on the BBC recordings in the, in the fabricatory on, oh, wow. on Saturday, on Saturday afternoon, just a, a half hour, uh, mm-hmm. on Saturday right. afternoon and, and plus all manner of other things. So, uh, so mm-hmm. he was, he did a yeoman's job. And and frankly, the uh, thanks largely to Tom, the, um, uh, let's see how I can put, how delicately I can put this. The previous <laughs> co host was not missed and has been not missed in the last three conventions. The one who so gracelessly left the camp. Let's put it that way. Okay. Okay. Without okay. M- and right. also, without uh, mentioning also we. Names. Should...
1: We should also give some credit to Darren DeVivo, yes. who helped us out on a few of the panels. He was great working with me on the on the two panels mm-hmm. there. And also a very happy 50th birthday to Darren. Yeah, he he's the baby of our group actually. So uh, yes, in fact, yes, he is. turned the big five. On. In
2: fact, he posted uh, he changed on his Facebook page. He changed the you know the scheme at the top of the page to the cover of the early Beatles. Which was mm. released the day that he was born. Yeah. Actually, actually, the day before he was born, uh, in 1965, wow. as was an album called Bringing It All Back Home by Bob Dylan, which, oh. you know, let's face it, uh, you know, with all the 1965 stuff I've been doing and, you know, as I said somewhere today, I said, you know, yeah, there are, at least 365 reasons why 50 years later, 1965 is the greatest year in the history of rock and roll. But the release of bringing it all back home is one, is a major one. Hmm.
1: Well, pretty soon we'll be doing a show on 1965.
2: Yes. So, yeah, I'm sure we
0: will. I'm sure we will. Anyway, all right, gentlemen, I think we've kept everyone, uh, uh, hanging on here long enough. Um, thank you both for talking <laughs> about, uh, the Festival of Beetle fans, I'm sorry I wasn't there. It sounded like it was uh it was a blast. it was, a lot um, of fun. It was fun, yes. It always it was. is. Mm-hmm. It always is. It always is. Anyway, um, this is Steve Marinucci. We look forward to seeing you next week on Things We Said Today. You can uh contact us uh by writing Things We Said Today radio show at gmail.com. You can catch us on uh, now on Pure Pop Radio on uh, Tuesday nights. You can catch us on fab4radio.com on Saturday and Sundays. We're on iTunes. We're on YouTube. We're on Podbean. So we there are uh, there are plenty of places to catch us. Ken, do you want to you want to say anything before you go?
1: Sure. You can al- you can also catch my show Every Little Thing. On Fab4Radio.com. It's on Sunday nights, and it is on 11 o'clock p.m. That's Eastern Standard Time, and that's right before things we said today. So you can hear both those shows back-to-back, and every little thing is also heard on Pure Pop Radio. And it's currently on Monday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So. Like we said before, give uh, give your support to both those stations because they're doing an extraordinary job, both of them. And um, please check out my website, KenMichaelsRadio.com. I have weekly Beatles trivia in which you can win great prizes and also uh, some special contests on my website as well. And there's also a lot of great interviews. You know, one other thing I wanted to make mention here is that I interview a lot of the people that we have on this show. mm mm-hmm. So sometimes it's nice to to hear both interviews because I get to ask a lot of questions privately that I don't get to do when we do our show together. It's a whole different feel with both interviews. So I just did one with Glenn Burtnick, which is on uh, my website as well that you might want to check out. Mm -hmm. And Bob Gruen, who who we just mentioned earlier, who just uh, put out a brand new book on Yoko called See Here, Yoko. It's got photos of Yoko through the decades from her time with John up through today. And that's a really good book. So interviews, trivia, all kinds of stuff on my website at kenmichaelsradio.com.
2: I have yeah, a lot. Of, I have I, a lot of listening to do <laughs> because I still haven't. I still haven't listened to the Beatles mistakes show. Normally, I listen to the uh, the podcast. On Saturday mm-hmm. afternoon, while I'm doing various things at home, and obviously I was doing other things elsewhere this Saturday afternoon, so I still have to listen to the uh, uh, this week's show.
0: You know what? Yeah. I, I I have to confess, I listened to it Monday. Uh, Monday, yeah, it was Monday at the gym. Mm-hmm. I was, I'm on the treadmill and I'm listening to us talk and it was, it's, it, it's, it's a lot of fun. I mean, I. you know, I mean, I know obviously what the show's going to say, but it's still fun to hear it. Right, and, you want to hear the finished product. So if you're working out at the gym, bring things we said today with you.
1: <laughs> or if are <you're> <laughs> the
0: bathroom floor. There you go. Anyway.
1: I know a lot um, of people that listen on the train ride to work, it. you know, it's just, yeah it's really you can can just relax you don't have to care about driving your car at all you can just listen while you're sitting down close your eyes and listen
0: and actually if you have your if you have your iPhone hooked up into your car like I do um, you can hear it while you're driving and it's it's better than listening to some of the local radio stations anyway enough plugs about the show Um, thanks again for for listening this is Steve Marinucci for things we said today and we will see you next time